The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. I said one day to the Lord, if all of this that you have allowed is for a purpose that I cannot see, but will bring hope to another person, then Lord, I will surrender to this process. Her name is Colleen Swindoll Thompson, and she is our first-person guest this week, describing her ministry to those who are enduring pain and disappointment in life. Welcome to our conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd. I'm grateful that you're with us to hear this week's guest, and the interview will start in just a moment. Please take advantage of our first-person website and smartphone app. Both allow you to listen anytime to a wide range of interviews as people talk about their faith in Christ and how their life has changed as a result. Listen on demand at firstpersoninterview.com or by using the app, you can download programs to listen to offline at any time. Search for the app in your favorite app stores called First Person Interview. And there at the website, you'll also find more information about our friends at the Far East Broadcasting Company, firstpersoninterview.com. Colleen Swindoll Thompson, the daughter of Radio's Chuck Swindoll, has experienced pain and disappointment herself in life, but now in her calling through reframing ministries, she is helping others. Colleen joined me on the phone recently, and I began by asking her to describe her efforts. Right now, I am the, well, I wear about 50 different hats, it feels like, but I am the director of reframing ministries at Insight for Living. In 2007, my children and I, um, moved to Texas. I was going through a divorce, and I started this special needs ministry because my folks saw the um, whole family impact a child with a disability or a loved one with a disability has on a family. Um, and currently, in fact, the CDC just re- released a report that one in four Americans have some kind of disabling condition, which it was not that many then. And um, it certainly is growing now. So as the ministry grew with special needs, we realized a lot in our audience are struggling with various pain in life, just suffering on so many different sides. And um, when I went through years of cognitive behavioral therapy years ago, I learned this word reframing, which is to take on a different perspective or to look in a different direction um, and when we focus in a different way, we see things differently. And as Romans 12, 2, it talks about renewing our minds. Um, it just seemed to really fit with the transformation process. So it's not as clear of a title for a department, but it definitely makes sense for what I am doing with individual families, um, connecting with not just those who have a disabled loved one, but also those who are Kind of on the fringes with church, mm-hmm. um, I talk about a lot of the unpopular topics that people at church tend not to want to talk about, like domestic violence and abuse, um, sexual abuse, well, any kind of abuse, actually. Um, Extremely important to address. Yeah, like teens um, at risk and parenting. My daughter, uh, when she was in junior high, was suicidal and was self-harming. So I, I learned so much about that 
entire experience. Hmm. Um, and it's really just to help people walk through the process of, this is not what I expected in my life. This is not what I wanted. And I thought that God was good and faithful. And in that, in between the lines of those words are a ton of assumptions that have to be examined when our world gets turned upside down. We'll talk more specifically about reframing ministries in a moment, Colleen, but talk a little more in detail. Uh, well, first of all, introduce us to your family today. Okay, my family today, oh, they're just fantastic. I, um, I did remarry a man named Tobin Thompson. Uh, he works for the federal government doing disaster relief, so he has been quite busy in the last few years. My oldest daughter, Ashley, is married. She's 26, and she goes to A&M, just started. Her dream for life was to attend vet school to be a veterinarian, so she just started there. Her husband has been a police officer and um, was just accepted into the Marine Training Program in Quantico, Virginia, so they are married, and they are learning how to have a long-distance relationship married and doing just incredible. I'm so proud of where they are now where all my kids are from where they've come from. Hmm. Um, my son, Austin, is a graduate of Oklahoma University with a degree in digital media arts, and he is working alongside me at Insight right now doing international ministries. He's an incredible writer. He's a very gifted, um, I wouldn't say filmmaker, but in doing interviews and filming and scripting, he's incredible. And then Jonathan, my youngest, is 21. And um, he has multiple, multiple disabilities, so he will be with us for life, which is one of the things that I didn't expect in my life. Then my husband brought two children into the marriage, and his son is 27, who is married to Kelly, um, and Kelly works at my son's day program. Then we have Riley, his daughter, who's 24, and she lives down in Galveston. You do what you do because pain has shaped you in many ways and made you want to help others. So talk about that experience. What what are more specifically some of the things you've gone through, Colleen? Yeah, it, it really started um, when, well, where do I even begin? Um, some things that I've gone through when Jonathan was born and I was told that he, well, he struggled from day one. Then at three was diagnosed with mental retardation, which is now called intellectual developmental disability, and autism. And then um, at that time, there was only one in 10,000 people with that diagnosis of autism. And I knew no one. And we didn't have internet. We didn't have cell phones. And so I remember being in hospitals because he had an an immune deficiency as well, Hmm. thinking, I'm so alone. And it was so lonely. And I thought, if ever there's a person that goes through something like this, I don't want them to feel this way. And I had so many nights where I wrestled with the Lord. Um, You're not, I didn't feel like he was helping. I didn't feel like he was um, present. I I just felt like he had gone on vacation and I was praying to an empty sky. Mm. So there were struggles then. And then I was in in a marriage that was domestically violent. And so... I was praying through, you know, what do we do there? And these are very difficult topics to talk about in the church because we tend to be rather black and white and assume to know what goes on in people's homes. 
and we don't know. But it was when John was seven and a half and regressed in every area by 50% after having him in all the therapies that we were told had put him in diet. And I remember driving home, having gotten the diagnosis, and we were testing again for terminal diseases and illnesses. And I just said, Lord, I, I cannot trust you anymore. I don't. I cannot believe that you allow this to happen when I've tried to be so faithful. Well, if we look into that, that assumption then is my behavior dictates God's blessing. And our behavior doesn't just take God's blessing. God blesses us, but we certainly tend to think He will bless us in certain ways, kind of informing Him of our prayers. Um, Lord, here's my request, and I'd like to see this and this and this. Well, we assume then that God isn't answering when what we wanted doesn't turn out, when in fact He's carving, trimming, refining, burning away the things that will be in our way as we serve Him and honor Him in life, preparing us for a purpose that He has planned. Hmm. So I hit these very hard topics that um, when I talked with those who I knew in the Christian circles, they didn't know what to say, or they judged, or they said I had hidden sin, or I wasn't praying hard enough, or you know whatever it was. And I felt so angry and just so alone because I knew from growing up all the verses and what God said in His Word. What I didn't know was how much of myself I was putting into that. I had kind of a formula to my faith. If I do this, and if I do that, then God will do this. And nowhere does it say that in His Word. James and First Peter talk about incredible suffering as we read in the Old Testament stories about suffering. So the, the, what I'm doing now, Wayne, is I would have never imagined doing it because all of those pain seasons were equipping me for um, understanding in my soul what the sufferer is going through or what someone who's been betrayed is going through, what someone who is raising a child who can't talk or will never marry, um, what a parent goes through when they've tried every parenting secret and tip and read every book and their children are suicidal, or perhaps they have committed suicide. Um, And I've learned through Jonathan's diagnosis about genetic mutations and things that I would have never studied before at all, but because of these uncharted deep waters that so often I felt like I was drowning, um, I said one day to the Lord, if all of this that you have allowed is for a purpose that I cannot see, but will bring hope to another person then, Lord, I will surrender to this process. And it was almost like I became a Christian in my late 30s. (laughs) Rather than just say a prayer and you're a Christian, it was, I will lay down my life and all that I thought was going to be. And they were good plans. I was teaching Bible studies, starting 
children's programs, planning churches. I mean, it wasn't like I was out there living crazy. I was serving the Lord. But even serving the Lord can become a higher priority to, to us than being surrendered to the Lord. We'll continue getting to know Colleen Swindoll-Thompson and Reframing Ministries coming up on First Person. Listening to your station is my first priority when I get home. Sometimes I even listen twice, first on the radio and then through the internet. Thank you for all your hard work. The Far East Broadcasting Company is dedicated to presenting Christ to the world through radio and new media, and we receive millions of responses every year from grateful listeners. To learn more, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. That's firstpersoninterview.com to learn more about FEBC. My guest is Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Colleen is director of Reframing Ministries. And you've heard how God has prepared her for this ministry. Colleen, as I heard you talk about the the pain and the circumstances of of your early life, uh, I think of what Philip Yancey described as disappointment with God. Oh, my goodness. I love Philip. In fact, I was honored to interview him as one of my guests because he comes from a tough, his story is tough as well as a child. And, you know, Wayne, the Lord created us with our souls, and they are deep. They're deep, deep wells. And um, when something happens in our lives that causes us to be absolutely befuddled and goes against what we read in Scripture where He is good and faithful, and He is good and faithful, we just may not see His goodness or faithfulness at certain times in our lives. Yeah. We focus on calling on first person, and, and your calling is so clear and yet it didn't come very easily to you because of the pain that you went through. Um, talk about Reframing Ministries and what you are able to accomplish, Colleen. Well, that's really how I came to my calling, actually, because my uh, training, my formal training was in um, communication with two minors, one in psychology and one in education. I thought I'd be a school teacher or a nurse, but I couldn't do the math, so I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and these were great plans, and yet... Um, kind of like we have a frame in our house with a family picture. So many of us have a frame in our as a mental picture. This is what life is going to look like. And we put into those little snapshots um, what our occupation will be and our marriage and our children and our vacation time and just so many expectations we carry into life. And when those don't unfold as we planned or wanted or desired or even thought, um, God was calling me in a certain direction, then there's a period of um, disruption. And although we are, disruption is excellent for the body, neurologically, as well as emotionally and spiritually, it's very uncomfortable. So it gets really messy, and we think, what are you doing, Lord? This is nothing like what I thought I'd be doing. Um, and I... I don't know what to do. So the joy that I have is to help people walk through that process. How do you find them? How, how do you know who to help and how to reach them? Um, we have reframingministries.com, which is the site that I work off of with, with Insight for Living. And then people connect with me through reframingministries at insight.org, as well as on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and social media sites. So you don't have to look very far to find hurting people. 
And no, and you know, Wayne, you don't have to go very far to find people who have gone to their church and have found their hearts have been more hurt um, when they were open. You know, we we tend to say, and this is this is not all churches, but quite often. Uh, the people I interact with are those who have been deeply wounded in the church when they were going through a season of suffering, um, and they were judged or uh, betrayed or rejected or put on the gossip prayer list. (laughs) Um, And Wayne, I, I talk with women who have lived in marriages and have sought their pastor because they're being abused, and the pastor does not believe or listen um, and so I'm one of those edgy voices that says, I'll talk to you about anything at any time. You know, you don't like the Lord today. I get it. I, I was that person in the back room that had no one else in that room at church going, does anybody else doubt the Lord? Yeah. Do you think the church has turned a corner though? Do you think it's, it's becoming more acceptable to topically address these things head on? I would like to say... I would hope they are, um, but one of the most recent Barna research uh, statistics is that three to 5,000 churches are closing a year, um, and that millennials are the—and and I love millennials, by the way. I, I love their mind and the way they think. I think what we're looking for is authenticity in the church. It's not that the church is necessarily off. It's that we've got to be authentic and say, today, I'm hurting. and. When my kids having a meltdown, don't judge me because you have no idea that I have not slept in six years. <laughs> Jonathan didn't sleep through the night for six or seven years, hmm. and I was exhausted. And sensory integration issues, he would just melt down. The parenting comments were just rude. Oh. And so um, I would like to think that we are seeing a group of people emerging who are saying, Let's let's really open up about these things. Let's have the hard conversations uh, because if if we're not having them in the church, they will go somewhere because we need hope, and that's what we're longing for. Colleen, a lot of people listening to us right now, if they're not going through something themselves, they are trying to help someone else who's going through uh, deep trouble. Uh, how can we come alongside friends, and what can we say, or what? When should we be silent? What what should we do? Um. Probably the hardest thing is to, three things often happen. Either people say nothing, or they just say, oh, I'm sorry, and move on. Or they um, spout out a cliche. God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, well, you know, if we look at that, that's taken out of context, and that isn't true. And if we could handle all of life, why did he send his son (laughs) to help us? (laughs) So... um, the, the very best thing, I, and this is what I've taught my kids, we cannot give what we don't possess inside. So if we are not open to examining our relationship with Christ and what we believe, we can't allow the other person to have the freedom to do that. So first, it's becoming as healthy as we can be as individuals. And then when someone is suffering, um, when the most practical things are game changers. In fact, last week, my son, Jonathan, I was telling you earlier, broke his back. And um, I had three people call that day and say, I'm going to leave a meal at your door. You don't even have to answer it. Just it'll be there uh, between 530 and 6. Not making a meal helped so much because I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. 
Um, I had people mow my lawn. I had people, I have um, cleaned people's houses. The, the most practical thing, fold laundry. The important thing is not to say, oh, call me when you need help. We need help. <laughs> yes, right. So it's, it's also to laugh and to show up with a bag of their favorite treat and whatever favorite magazine they like or send them a funny card. Yeah, we often yeah. say, let me know what you need. Well, no one's going to just come up to you and say, I, I, need, I need my lawn mowed. <laughs> exactly. I need my fence fixed or whatever. Um, crisis, neurologically, when we are in crisis, the brain shuts down in certain places, and we are forgetful, and we, uh, I mean, so many different things happen. So I would say you, you hear someone is in trouble or in suffering of some kind, um, first of all, never judge or assume to know God's reason for their suffering because we're not God. Right. And uh, it's to go to them and to give them our love and to say, I will be here tomorrow morning. Um, if you want to go for a walk, I'm here. And if you don't, I'll wait for an hour and then I will take off. And you go about your day. It's to have presence and to be a companion and not say all these things. Don't fix it. God's allowing their life to be disrupted. Don't get in the way. Hmm. So the practical things and then just the consistent things. Send them a text. I'm thinking about you today. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a text on a day. just happened last week when I was so discouraged, and out of the blue, someone said, can't get you off my mind, but I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Hmm. That was a little God touch for me, and we can do that so easily with how connected we are in this world. Does that help? It sure does. Colleen, we need to wrap up, but just tell me, what gives you hope? I mean, you deal with a a lot of people going through uh, struggles and and, uh, just all kinds of problems, but what gives you hope in the midst of dealing with all that? Um, What gives me hope is knowing that what he's brought me through and what he will, again, continue to put me through, getting to the other side of it, when when you work through the reframing process of examining what have I brought into my faith belief, and is that theologically correct, and then exploring what does the Word say, um, finding support is a step in the reframing process. We cannot do life alone. We need safe people around us. What gives me hope is to be able to share that process and walk with someone through that. So to be able to cheer someone on, I absolutely love it. I'm so thankful. And we are thankful for people like Colleen Swindoll-Thompson who are reaching out to the hurting of our world. Her work is called Reframing Ministries, and it's part of Insight for Living, the radio program of her father, Chuck Swindoll. For more about reframing, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Today's conversation was made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, a ministry dedicated to reaching the world for Christ through radio and new media. You can learn more about FEBC at the website, firstpersoninterview.com. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to sign up for a free online devotional featuring the testimonies of listeners from around the world. There's no obligation, and you can register at firstpersoninterview.com. I appreciate your time today. And now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.